بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم افتح اقفال قلوبنا بذكرك واتمم علينا نعمتك Amin Rabbil Alameen, beloved elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, students and dear listeners, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh. Please kindly uh, move forward, fill up the gaps, sisters also sit close together, inshallah, and, and follow through the etiquette of uh, attending a gathering of knowledge and dhikr, and we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows this gathering to be weighty in our scales, and may He make it a means of removing any and all doubts and confusions we suffer in the deen. And may he make this a means of rejuvenating our faith, increasing our yaqeen and the Qur'an, increasing our love for the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and strengthen our relationship with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah azza wa allow us to find the solutions to our issues and problems in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. <clears throat> Today, inshallah, we'll continue from ayah 27-28 of Surah Al-Mu'minun. And... We were discussing Nuh Salam's story last uh, week, and we'll continue with that, wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him to build the ship and make it right in front of us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentioned that there will be a sign, nur. when you see the, the nur being filled up with water. So the water was supposed to come from all over. From under the earth, from above the sky, from middle, from under all the sides. But the sign for, for that Allah had given him was that there's going to be a, a place where usually fire, tanur, fire comes out of there. This is where you bake your bread. But instead of fire coming out from there, you will see water is going to start coming out of there. Completely different. And that will be the sign that something different is going to be happening. The world is going to fall apart. Um, and you know, a huge, you hear about earthquakes, we read about it, that animals are alerted before a tsunami comes in, or an earthquake comes in. And so, that's how you can imagine, they have a tanur going for them, they realize that, okay, we gotta run from here. Um, but for the human beings, uh, you know, with all the technology that we have today, but still, subhanAllah, look at, uh, what's happening, second round in Turkey. Um, and just this reminds us of the a hadith of the end of times where Rasulullah mentions that there will be a lot of earthquakes and then there will be natural disasters and then there will be uh, you know people leaving the deen and people neglecting the deen and this whole bunch of if, you, if I'm sure all of you have been reading on WhatsApp and various people's statuses and etc those ahadith it's like a list of 10 things of all of which are happening and then you got in the middle of there zalazil uh, earthquakes So you realize like Oh subhanAllah Everything checklist Everything everything is happening all over uh, And this is one of those things That used to happen You know once in a while But now you have it Back to back Within a week Or within a few weeks Multiple ones So there's no There's yeah, I mean, This is what we're headed We're headed towards uh, Really ajeeb times And the zalzala And the earthquakes Are not just the earthquakes That are happening In the physical world Where Entire uh, towns, villages, states are being destroyed 
that have been there for hundreds and thousands of years. But along with that, the bigger zalzala and the earthquake is of the iman of people. Right? And people who's, who's for a thousand years have been Muslim. For 500 years, 300 years have been scholars. You know? People who for hundreds of years have been, have been part of a masjid. And now you're seeing that they're leaving the deen. So this zalzala that is happening is not just on the physical sense, it's actually more scary as how it is um, uh, striking the hearts and the minds of the Muslims. And the damage that a earthquake would le- leaves behind in destruction of buildings, exactly like that, these, these earthquakes are coming and attacking the Muslim Ummah uh, who are now falling into weird ideas regarding their religion regarding the deen, rejection of hadith, rejection of many Quranic verses, changing the narrative of Islam, changing the narrative of the scholars of tafsir, uh, reinterpretation of anything and everything. All of this stuff is what? These are all the zalazil. These are all the earthquakes that you see happening. There is one, uh, one of the signs of the hour is maskhun, is the deformation of the faces of the people. People being deformed in the forms of a donkey of, of, of monkeys and pigs. So the scholars of hadith explained this, that this can mean both. That the maskh of the face and the maskh of the heart. That not only the faces become like that of pigs and, and monkeys, but the hearts become like that of pigs and monkeys. Right? And people, what is a pig? Pig is full of shahwa, lust. It doesn't differentiate between anything. Eats filth, it does filth. And subhanAllah, that is exactly what the human being today is becoming. I don't need to elaborate on that. But that's uh, what exactly, you know, that's what's happening to the human being. So musk is taking place of the hearts of the Muslims and non-Muslims as well. So here we're saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warned Nuh salam that you're going to get the sign. وفارت النور And that the uh, uh, oven will gush instead of fire water will gush first look fiha min kullin zawjain so in this case allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't ask him that you i want you to take with in in it uh, from every single animal uh, take take one male one female and place them into the ship whichever animals you allah has subhanahu wa ta'ala intended to sur- to have them survive wa ahlaka and your family. We talked about the fact that this family is referring to um, n- not just the f- not the blood family, but rather the family of the of iman. That those who follow your faith, you want to make sure you get them. If you remember, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He mentions a story of Nuh salam when He asked Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to allow His son to join Him on the boat, on the ship, on the ark. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He said, um, He's my son. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, He is not your son. He's not your family. Although he may be related to you by blood, but by the fact that he did not follow your deen, he's not your family. And he was uh, told to drown. Uh, the, the, the wave came and separated as they were talking father and son are talking 
Oh my son, please, please just jump onto the ark and don't be from amongst the disbelievers. Don't worry, dad, I have this taken care of. I'm going to take shelter on a mountain that is going to protect me from this uh, water that is continuously increasing in um, height. I am going to take shelter from on a mountain that will protect me from it. And the father is like, okay, you're underestimating what you're dealing with here. This is not something you can protect yourself by climbing onto a mountain. It doesn't work like that. This, this is not your normal flood. It is going to knock everything out. The only way to survive is to get onto the boat. And then he said, لا عصيم اليوم من أمر الله إلا من رحم. No one can be protected from the Amr of Allah, the command of Allah, of punishment today, except the one who Allah Azza wa has chosen to show mercy upon. He'll be protected, otherwise every single person will be drowned. And as they were talking back and forth, all of a sudden a huge wave came in. حَالَ بَيْنَ A huge wave came, came, and it drowned him. So you can kind of think of what's happening today. That if a Nabi who worked 950 years of giving da'wah, yet his own blood relative, his own son, who is a part of his own flesh, was not saved. And the father tried to explain to him that just because you're my son doesn't mean anything. Just because you're smart and you're trying to climb to a mountain doesn't mean anything. When the Amr of Allah comes, if, you don't, if you're not in the right place at the right time, you're gone. You can kind of apply that in another sense today. That the flood of atheism and the flood of all the modern isms, the flood of all the confusions, the dhulma, the darkness of the mind and the heart is flooding up the whole world. It's like a, a tsunami. And your father or mother could be the most pious person. They could be the most learned person of the community. But if you don't have the humility and humbleness to be with them, you're not going to stand a chance of surviving this flood. And that's what we're seeing today. That people coming from amazing homes are leaving the deen. Parents raising their kids in the best possible manner. It, you know, if, if I were to tell you the stories from my weekly my weekly experiences, it would be so depressed, you would just put your head down and cry and you would say, okay, forget this man, this is crazy. So that's why we can't share everything. But it is really that bad. As bad as you think, or as bad as I think it is, is worse than that. Because I, I hear maybe one story every day. But there's 10 stories happening, or hundreds of stories happening every day. Allah says He's the one who takes out the living from the dead and the dead from the living. So dead from the, dead from the living is that you're from a good Muslim home, from a practicing parents, from God-fearing mom and dad, grandma, granddad, kuffar, kuffar is coming out. You know, and you say, how did this come out? Where did you come from? Which tree have you fallen from? Look at the tree. Such a beautiful tree. How does a rotten fruit come out of this tree? But we are not in normal times. Literally, I mean it. It's like the tufan of Nuh is here. Right? It is the, 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 uh, uh, you know, the storm of Nuh the, uh, the flood is here. It's not a normal flood. And only the few who board the ark are going to get saved. And even if you are the son of a prophet, if you don't board the boat, the ship, the ark, you're not going to get saved. So none of us here are sitting as sons or, uh, or daughters of prophets. We are sinful people who can barely, barely take care of our fara'id. Much less sunnah and nawafil and mustahabbat. We're struggling with our fara'il. We're struggling to stay away from haram. We should never sit there thinking that we got it all set. And that us and our progeny will be saved. It has to be a constant sense of fear and paranoia. 
begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he saves us and our progeny from kufr, uh, from, from doubts, uh, from, from all the other fitan that surround us. <coughs> so, Nuh alayhi salam, he tried to reason, he tried to reason with his son, and he, the son didn't reason, and then a big massive wave came in, and that was the end of it. So, there's solace in here as well. That if you've tried really hard to do what you're supposed to do, and then Allah forbid your son or daughter, my son or daughter turned the other way around, what can you do? You have the story of Nuh alayhi You say, you know what, Nuh alayhi what can you ever blame him for not doing enough work? The man who made effort of 950 years in the community, imagine how much he did on his own son and daughters, I mean his own sons, how much he must have done. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not will for his guidance, did not will for his uh, protection, did not will for his, uh, uh, you know, being saved, then none can la radda lima qadayt. None can repel whatever decision you have made. No one can change la mu'aqiba lima hakamta. No one can change the decision you have made. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a decision is going to happen. So that should make us feel even more humble in front of Allah. Because Allah already knows what the answer is. And whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills is going to happen. So imagine the level of humility you and I need to show Allah. How much we should cry. How much we should beg. That Ya Allah, literally it is your decision and no one else's decision. And you already know what's written there. I don't know. I'm living in this crazy amount of fear. You already know. I beg you that you make a Allah ma'asin aqibatana fil umuri kulliha. Oh Allah, please make the end, the results of all of our affairs beautiful and good. Do not allow me to suffer in the end. And save us from the disgrace of this dunya. Save us from being disgraced in this dunya and from the punishment of the hereafter. If you think, if you and I were to think about this concept, what I'm just speaking about right here, you know, you will lose your sleep. You should, we should lose our sleep Because it really is something so scary to think about That everything is set The pens are lifted And the ink has dried Who is gonna go where has already been set Now what will happen to my daughter, my son? What will happen to, forget them, for what happened to me? Uh, your parents, your children come later, first yourself Where are you headed? It's already written by Allah, Allah knows how, how we're seeing today so many people who, had, who, who we th- grew up thinking highly of them and listening to everything they said and as years have gone by you've seen that subhanAllah they went down on a whole different path when I, you know, I have met people subhanAllah who spent time with some of the Mulana Yusuf Rahmatullah and elders of Tabliq in the 1950s and people said Jao and Sijakar Milkarao and go visit them I'm like wow I'm amazed, I'm amazed to go sit with someone who spent time in the company of Mulana Yusuf Kandalwi Rahimallah. And I went there and he's like, all religions are the same. Hindus, Muslims are all, you know, the same. And I walk away. Another person, I remember I went to meet a scholar in Delhi. This is my trips in India. I met these people. And, you know, this person, he's like, Hamneto Sabkuj Deka. He's elder. He's 70s, 80s. You know, great scholar, graduated from some of the most famous institutions and seminaries of India, saw the great, great giants, and now is like a, is a non-Muslim. And when you, when you see things like that, you're like, like, we're the smallest fish, we're not even a fish, man. 
we're speck in the ocean. And you see these big whales who have um, left the deen. Big, huge, massive you know, individuals who saw and seen and who said someone shared a message, Allahu Alam, the veracity and the truth of it, but I don't. Like, it's not surprising of how from one family, three siblings who were scholars ended up all leaving Islam. Um, I don't know where, what, how the authenticity of it, but it's not, it's not shocking because I'm seeing this happening. People who have studied Ilm for 10, 15 years or 5, 4 years and then some fitna falls into them and, and khalas. Uh, talking about fitna, talk, talking through fitna, uh, there is a hadith I mentioned the other day of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu. And, and, and I wanted to mention in the tafsir as well for those who are not in the other durus. Uh, he says, If any of you wants to know whether he has been affected by a fitna, then he should ask himself and look at himself the following question. Ask yourself this question. You want to know if you've fallen into fitna? Ask yourself this question. Who's Hudayfa? Hudayfa is the keeper of the secrets. He was the one who had the list of all the hypocrites. And he was the one who, when everyone was to ask good things, he used to ask about the bad things. He used to ask about the signs of the hour and all the scary bad stuff. And he would say that I'm asking because I want to protect myself from this. And you know that Umar anhu would watch if Hudayfa would be present in a janazah or not. And if he would not be present, Umar would quietly walk away. Because he knew if the only reason Hudayfa is not here is because this man is a hypocrite. Otherwise, why would he, why would he intentionally not be present here? And then the craziest thing is that Umar goes to this Hudayfa the keeper of the secrets and says I'm not going to ask you to share the secrets what Rasulullah give you I know I'm the Amir al-Mu'mineen and everything whatever you don't, but he gave this to you as a secret I'm not going to ask you to share those secrets with me but I ask you please please I ask you to let me know if my name is in that list Amir al-Mu'mineen is asking if his name is in the list of the hypocrites SubhanAllah Look at the level of fear now imagine if you hear, how many of us have feared ourselves to be hypocrites? Seriously, ask yourself, how many of you sitting here thought one day that, you know what, I might be a munafiq? That thought I'm sure never crossed anyone's mind. Like, what, you, what is that supposed to mean? Munafiq? Munafiq is worse than a kafir. You're telling me I'm worse than a disbeliever? You think it's all fake? I come to tafsir, I give the tafsir, I pray salah, I look out, I grow up my beard, wear my hijab, I memorize this many Quran, I'm a munafiq for what? I'm sincere, God knows I'm, all, I'm, I'm not doing for you, I'm doing for Allah. That's our attitude. And here you have Amir al-Mu'mineen who Rasulullah says, I'm saying if there's be a prophet after me, it'd be you. And he's saying, what if just I, what if, what just if I am a hypocrite? So we kind of realize that our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our understanding of our faith is very flawed. Because it seems like, Allah forgive me and forgive us, it seems like we have this like, you know, buddy-buddy relationship with Allah without even doing anything to deserve it. It's like a person's like, ah, I got it all, man. You see, we're friends. Allah and I, khalas is my walis. Everything's taken care of. You know, have good expectations. Okay, great. But what have you done to deserve that? What have we done to deserve this type of amazing relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Where the proof is in the pudding. You can't just sit and chit-chat and talk and say, you know, I'm, I'm super close to Allah azza wa jal. Where is the proof for that? Look at the men. The men who are close to Allah, this is what their situation is. Uh, you know about... The same thing about Abu Bakr anhu. When Hanzala anhu comes and he says, uh, I'm, I'm afraid I've become a hypocrite. Nafaqa Hanzala. You've heard the story. 
And Abu Bakr hears that and he says, for what? Why are, you claim, why are you accusing yourself of hypocrisy? That's a huge, huge, you know, sin. Like, I mean, this is like the worst in kufr. Why would you do that? And he says, well, because I'm looking at my situation. When I sit with the Prophet my iman level is something, you know, out of this, something a whole different degree of iman when I sit in his company. But when I come home and I play with my children and my wife and my kids, and they're laughing and joking and enjoying themselves, I actually feel that my iman is not the same. That means the iman and the, the faith that I had in front of Rasulullah was fake. I was just showing off. That's not me. The real me is the one that is at home. So he thought this is hypocrisy. And he started, he was so afraid. He was like, I'm done. I'm, it's over. Game over for Hanzala. And when Abu Bakr anhu hears this, he's like, you know what? That actually happens to me as well. So guess what? Maybe I'm a hypocrite too. This is Abu Bakr anhu, who's, who's buried next to him. SubhanAllah, the best of the best after Rasulullah He's thinking that maybe I am a hypocrite. And they both go to Rasulullah and they inquire. And he says, no, this is not hypocrisy. This is how iman basically happens. You know, there's, it fluctuates. Sa'atan fasa'atan, time to time. When you sit in a, one gathering, the kafiyah and the quality increases. When you sit in another gathering, the quality, you know, changes. If your iman were to stay consistent all the time, then you would not be human. You would be angels. And angels would come and greet you and meet you. Because you would not be human anymore. You'd be an angel, a fellow angel. So this is normal to feel this change. So now, I'm just trying to say, you look at these two individuals who were the best after Rasulullah and who we go give salam to when we say salam to the Prophet and then put yourself in comparison to that. When was the last time we thought of ourselves to be a hypocrite? If to the extent if someone says, if someone gets upset or corrects us to doing something, brother, you know what? I was only doing this for Allah. I was very sincere. But you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm leaving. This is our response. How dare you doubt my sincerity? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem. I'm not saying it's you. This is, I'm looking at myself. How dare you doubt, doubt my sincerity? I'm doing it only. I have no ulterior motives. Other people have other motives, but I have no ulterior motive. This is, SubhanAllah, this is the biggest deception. The fact that a person regards himself sincere is the biggest deception. This is the dua we should make. Ya Allah, make me and grant us all the highest levels of sincerity. And Ya Allah, please do not allow us for even a moment to think of ourselves as sincere. Allow us all to constantly be doubting our sincerity and regarding ourselves as the weakest of the crowd, regarding ourselves as seriously hypocrites, while at the same time granting us the highest levels of sincerity. That's the dua we should be making. And so that's why when we get credited for things that we have done even also, it's very hard to remain sincere. That's why we should ask Allah that we don't get credit for anything that we do. And instead, everyone else gets credit for the work you do. Whether you made a dish at home, you cleaned the house, you did a car wash or for your family, or you got gifts for someone, or you set up a stage for a program, whatever it is, ask Allah Azza wa Jal, Ya Allah, you know, kaam mera ho, naam kisi aur ka ho. Let, then, let, let, it be, let, it me, let I be the one who, who has been gifted to do the work And let the attribution and the name go to someone else Because we are too weak to have our names being called out And being recognized and still remain sincere It's very hard Very very hard So the easier route is you don't get credit for, for the stuff that you do Now when you don't get credit and someone else is being praised for what you have done Ask yourself how do you feel If you are boiling inside with anger, frustration or you're angry or sad, then we know that our sincerity, there is some problem with it. Because if we did it for the sake of Allah, it should make no difference who gets the recognition. 
Now ask yourself, put yourself in a situation where you did something and someone else got praised for it. Someone else got recognized. How it hurts many times and how you might just blurt it out and say, what are you talking about, man? I'm the one who did it. But that's the point. That's where our iman, that's where our ikhlas gets tested. That's where we get tested to see what degree of sincerity we have. So these are tough things. They're very tough. We have to just ask Allah Azza wa Jal to somehow gift us this sincerity, which is the ulama say, is the last thing that a person who's treading the path towards Allah, a salik. This is the last thing that you can gain, that you will gain, and it's the first thing you lose. It's the first thing that if, if you get tested, the first thing that comes out of the bag, what happens? When you're packing your suitcase, uh, what happens? If you're putting the, something to put last, or let, let me, let, you, know, when you, you know, the last bag to get into the airplane will be the first one to come out, right? Same thing. So the last thing that goes in is ikhlas. And the first thing to come out is ikhlas. So, so it's a really t- t- tough thing. So now I was just comparing the situation with Nuh salam's story to what we see now is of iman and kufr. That people are, you know, if you don't join, if you don't board the boat of Nuh salam, I mean iman, then no matter who we are, we can't get saved. That's why we have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for sincerity. Ah, so the, I was sharing with you, subhanAllah, the, the hadith of Hudayfa radiallahu anhu. That this was the fear of Umar radiallahu anhu that he might be a munafiq. So now, Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, who is probably the greatest master, period, in the history of Islam on signs of the hour, day of judgment, fitan. He says, If any of you want to know whether he has been affected by and afflicted by a fitna or not, this is the litmus test. Falyandur. And ponder, look. If he regards something halal which he previously used to regard as haram, then he has fallen into a fitna. If you regard something halal which you previously regarded as haram, then you fall into fitna. And if you previously regarded something, if you previously regarded something as permissible, and now because of societal pressure, you say, ah, that can't be halal, then you have fallen into fitna. So now take this and apply it to ourselves and apply it to many people out there to see how opinions have been changing. Things that were absolutely no-go and where there was no difference of opinion within scholars, within traditionally trained scholars, now are is not only up for discussion, it's been it's like forget it. It's not even discussion. This is all halal. Why? Because people are not following ilm anymore. People are following their desires. And then what happened? Why did for the past twenty years you've given talks against it being impermissible? And how all of a sudden you're you are it's like the this whole marijuana crisis, you know, the things. You had all these you have millions of people in jail suffering twenty, thirty year uh, prison sentences over small amounts of marijuana and now you have the same people who wrote that legislation owning multi-million dollar companies that are selling this it's so ajeeb how this world runs so same thing when it comes this fitna right so same thing about ourselves see that we make sure that we have not fallen to fitna so that's why ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ikhlas ask Allah to keep us humble and ask Allah to allow us to always be with the ta'ifa mansura what is ta'ifa mansura? that group that it will be assisted and will be victorious throughout the times. And that is the group you could say that is on boarded the ship. The, those who are on that ship are the ones who are, who are being assisted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that um, 
right? Do not talk to me about those who have, who have done wrong. They are sure to be drowned. Meaning, uh, sometimes it's too late. Surgery has to be done and amputation must be made. So it's too late to discuss it. So we need to make sure that we don't fall into this category whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you have to be cut off. You're a cancer that cannot be cured. So inshallah, if we have humility within us and humbleness and we are always afraid of the bad ending, then there's inshallah, good chance, good expectation we should have, have good hope that we will not inshallah be from amongst those who are uh, deprived or who are sent to hellfire. But the key thing is to have fear. As soon as we become uh, content and feel like nothing will be happening, then that, that's where the problem arises. So when you and those who are, who are well seated in the ship, in the ship, so when you and those with you are well seated in the ship, what should you say? Now make dua. Alhamdulillah. All praise belongs to Allah. Who has saved us from the wrongdoing people. So in this ayah here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, as soon as you see everyone drowning, and you're the only one who is you and the 80 people have been saved. Um, had two wives, according to some, some of the narrators, uh, some of the narrations, or the, in the tafsir narrations. So one of them is the one that died as a kafir, mentioned in Surah Tahrim. What is this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the example of the disbelieving woman, the wife of Nuh and the wife of Lut. So his wife, one wife, and uh, you know, one of his sons decided not to accept Islam and they flood, they, they passed away in the flood. And then Nuh had another uh, pious or believing wife and she had, he had Sam, Ham, and Yafith. Three sons, Sam, Ham, Yafif, they believed in the message of Muhammad and they and their wives, and they all boarded the ark with him. So these are three sons and their wives, and father and father and mother. Uh, so these individuals were the ones, and along with that, another seventy-two people. That's it. Approximately eighty people were boarded the boat, and the rest of them all drowned. So now when you're 80 and you're seeing the entire city drowned, what should you be saying? You should be thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should be saying that, Ya Allah, uh, I thank you for saving me from that. So we learn from this ayah here that as soon as we enjoy a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the first thing we should be doing is thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving what we have. That's why when we sit in the car, what do we say? Subhanallah, sakharana hada wa makudna lahu mukrinin. What else we read? When we board a ship. Bismillahi majreha wa mursaha inna rabbila ghafurur rahim. So anytime we are blessed with a car, a conveyance, a ship, or a boat, we need to immediately thank Allah Azza wa Jal for making these things subservient to us. That is why. If you want to, if I, you and I want to build a relationship with Allah, one great way, beloved brothers and sisters, is to make an effort to memorize the masnoon ad'iyah, masnoon du'as. Ramadan now is exactly a month away, first of Sha'ban, tonight. Right? 
Um, and so you could make this goal for this, this year that I'm going to memorize one dua every two days. Every three days. But one dua every three days. And uh, dua of eating, dua of sleeping, we know. But then there's so many other duas. For example, you see someone sick. You see someone in a car accident. Alhamdulillah. All praise belongs to Allah who saved me. Who's protected me. From that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen to test him with. And he has given me preference over many of his creations. Every medical professional needs to see, say, recite this dua when he sees his or her patient. Every visiting person, visiting someone who's sick, should recite this dua. Every person driving down the road, you see someone's car in a ditch, you gotta recite this dua. But don't recite this dua out loud, by the way. You don't wanna make that person feel sad. Recite the dua softly. So what I was saying is that when you the, other, the du'as of Rasulullah are so beautiful You remember we did some sessions here in Ramadan after Asr in the past year We, we, we did, covered one du'a a, a, a day Those du'as are so beautiful it will build our relationship with Allah SWT Because they are meant for each specific scenario It's so well connected Alhamdulillah kasani When you wear a piece of clothing, garment, new garment Alhamdulillah kasani All praise belongs to Allah who has covered me ma give Granted me awrati. That which I can cover up my body And especially my private area And that which I can adorn myself with in this worldly life So these clothing, not only does it cover up my, uh, my faults Right? Because your person, when their body is exposed, you feel like all your faults are exposed And number two It's actually beautification as well So some uh, The mistake what happens Is when we enjoy the blessing We forget the one who gave us that blessing We get so involved in the blessing We forget It's like someone who gives you A brand new car You know A key to a brand new car He says take it for a test drive You took a test drive They're waiting This gave you as a gift but you went for a two hour drive, man. You're enjoying that amazing sports car. And they're just waiting. You bite. When are they going to at least receive a thank you text message? Jazakallah khair, dad, for this. No, you're still waiting. No, it's gone. Right? Imagine how, how that would be. So when we are using Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings and not thanking Him, this is exactly what happens. Okay, but guess what? Human, this is what we do to Allah every day. This is what the Ummah does to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every day. Use His things and never for once turn around and say thank you. So we need to learn a lesson from this That it, if the human beings act like this with Allah What do you think they're gonna do to you? You think they're gonna value what you do for them? No So may Allah give us the understanding of this To stop having expectations of appreciation from people It's hard but we have to teach ourselves this lesson That no, I'm doing it for Allah I don't expect anything I actually expect people to not even look at me and recognize Imagine how husband and wife relationship Overnight will become amazing When you say I'm an, My husband doesn't compliment me You know what? I never expected a compliment After 10 years He says something like Oh wow This is amazing Because he gave a compliment Imagine the husband Brings something for the wife And, and he, he does, has zero expectation That she's going to say Thank you This means so much for me She doesn't And then the one time she does It's like Oh wow this is so great These things happen In the relationships and the reason things go sour is because we have this expectation We all do We expect people are going to appreciate what we do for them And when uh, human beings don't Then we get hurt We get angry 
We get upset. And so this is what we are being taught from this. It's mentioned in the books of Tafsir. Allah Sha'arawi mentions that Musa alayhi salam said, Ya Rabbi, as'aluka alla yuqala fiya ma laysa fiya. Ya'ani la yattahamuni al-nasu dhulman. Oh Allah, I ask you and I beg you protection from people accusing me of things that I haven't done, ascribing to me things that I don't have. Like, oppress, like in an oppressive manner, accusing me of things. So it's reported that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to him and said, Ya Musa, kayfa walam asna' dhalika li nafsi? Oh Musa, how can you expect that when I haven't made that rule for even myself? SubhanAllah I haven't made that rule for myself Meaning People are always accusing Allah of things That he didn't do Ascribing things to him That he doesn't have Like a son and a wife and a partner So he said People accuse me of things all the time And that's how the world runs Why are you expecting that people are not going to accuse you And, uh, and attribute things uh, Erroneously to you Just stop having this expectation from the people SubhanAllah So what do we learn from here, beloved brothers and sisters? That if you and I are, are, are doing some khidmah for someone and they don't appreciate it, we should not stop doing that khidmah. We should continue. Because Allah has not stopped blessing us even though we do not appreciate Him. He continues to shower His blessings even though uh, we have... Okay, so there's a saying, اِتَّقِي شَرَّ مَنْ أَحْسَنْتَ إِلَيْهِ Beware of the evil of the one who you have done kindness to. Beware of the evil of the one who you've done kindness to. What is this supposed to mean? Arabic saying. Because when you have done ihsan and been kind to someone, he knows that. You did ihsan upon him, you were kind to him when he did not, be, when he wasn't kind to you, and when he didn't appreciate you. Al-insanu abdul ihsan. A man becomes a slave of the one who does ihsan towards him, the one who does kindness to him. So now we are now indebted to someone. But if we are not appreciating their debt and they're not thanking them, we know we feel guilty inside. So every time we our paths cross, we look at the person who was, did a favor upon us, and we feel so guilty that we did not appreciate them and we didn't do something which we should have done. That creates anger and what? Believe it or not, jealousy within the person. He's jealous of the fact that you were kinder than he was to you. Can you imagine that? He's angry and jealous of the fact that you are cut from a better cloth than he is. That you were kind while he wasn't. You blessed him with your time and money while he couldn't even say thank you. So he knows deep down that you are better than him. And that makes him even more angry. And that creates within him even more jealousy. And with that jealousy, like we spoke about it last week, it makes him want to plot and harm you. What are they saying? So beware of the one whom you have done ihsan towards and he's not appreciative of it or he wasn't appreciative of it that this may make him actually more sour. And so this is, we learn from the akhlaq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. تَخَلَّقُوا بِأَخْلَاقِ اللَّهِ Inculcate within yourself the character of Allah. And what's the character of Allah? That do not deprive people even though they do not appreciate you. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu's story I'd like to mention again and again he was helping his poor relative Mistah and he was providing money for him every month 
every week, whatever. He was a poor relative. But he was the one who got involved in spreading the slanderous views and opinions regarding thoughts about Aisha radiallahu anha. Imagine you're, this is being said about your daughter. And who's saying this? As someone who is related to you and you are spending money on him every month. We would have done something unthinkable to a person who would do something like that to our daughter. So what he, all he said is, I am no longer going to pay you monthly stipend. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verses of Surah An-Nur. Those people who, have, who are graceful and those people who are honorable and those people who are righteous, they should not take an oath. They should not take an oath. They should not say that we are no longer going to support our relatives. Instead, they should overlook the faults of these people and they should forgive them. Allah called Abu Bakr Siddiq ulul fadl, people of honor. You're a man of great honor. Don't stoop down to the level of this relative of yours. He's done something very hurtful, but you are supporting him for Allah's sake. Do not cancel your support to him because of what he has said about your daughter. Wow. That is, that is such a tough ask. But that's why Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is ulul fadl. And then Allah asks Abu Bakr and the people like him, do you not love, do you not desire that Allah should forgive you? If you want Allah to forgive you, then guess what? Forgive those who've wronged you. Wallahu ghafoor rahim. And Allah is all forgiving, all merciful. So we have to, we le- we have to learn how to give up grudges and, and anger against people who deserve to be punished, who deserved to be, you, yani they deserve your wrath. Here, it's not just about anger. Allah is saying, continue to give this man who spread this rumor about you and about your daughter. Continue to support him because why you are doing it for Allah, not for him. It's not, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. I'll give you money as long as you don't harm me. Once you start harming me and my kids, I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, guess what? You're giving for the sake of Allah, continue to do so. This is so difficult to comprehend. And he said, he got emotional. Abu Bakr Siddiq Allah. Allah is asking me, Oh Abu Bakr, do you want Allah to forgive me? Yes, Ya Allah, yes, I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me. And I, I have now made an announcement that I will continue to support Mistah. So this is what, these are the akhlaq of Allah that Allah wants you and I to have. To be able to give up grudges. To be able, grudge to bhot dur ki baat. Grudge is absolutely unacceptable. We're talking about Anger that is legitimate. Anger that is legitimate. Give that up. Don't stop talking, don't stop being nice to people, or smiling at people, saying salam to people because of what they've done. You don't, if you've been harmed by someone, you don't necessarily need to put yourself in harm's way again to invest with them money again once they cheated you. You know what I mean? You don't have to do that. But that doesn't mean we should never say salam to them and, and speak ill about them every day, all day about them. No. We learn from the akhlaq of Allah. Give up any ill feelings, hatred, desire for vengeance, desire for anger. And say, Allah, I'm going to take the reward of this from you. I'm forgiving this person for your sake so that you can forgive me. You have heard of this sahabi, radiallahu anhu, who... 
came in the morning with the rest of the companions and the Prophet والسلام, after Salatul Fajr as was his habit would turn around and face the Sahaba and would have various discussions with them so he said who gave Sadaqah last night such Sadaqah that went right and shook the Arsh of Allah who gave that Sadaqah and everyone is whoever gave some Sadaqah shared what they did and Rasulullah said no not you not you not you eventually the crowd grows silent and one companion says well since everyone's finished it's my turn I didn't have any money to give I wanted to give charity last night but I didn't have money to give but as I'm going to bed I'm thinking I still want to go to sleep by giving charity what should I do? I thought and thought I said well yes Ya Allah I give my honor in charity Arzu Abru Abru not Arzu Abru I'll give my honor in charity Izzatu Abru I give honor. So whoever has attacked my honor, whoever has cursed me, spoken ill about me, backbited me, anyone who has ever attacked my honor, I forgive all of them for your sake. That's a sadaqah I'm going to give. It's a huge sadaqah. Because it means you're not going to hold them accountable on the day of judgment. This is not a million dollar write-off. This is trillions of dollar write-off. Nah, there's no way you can, you can put a number to it. Because in the day of judgment, there's no money. It's jahannam if you don't have amal. All the, all the people, will, those who have been wronged will have a right to be able to drag those people who wronged them into hellfire. Allah will tell them. Give them your, take, their, you know, give them your, take hasanat from them. And once hasanat are done, okay, throw your sayyat on them, throw your sins. So when someone says, I have forgiven everyone who has harmed me for the sake of Allah, it is, it is what? It is a donation that has, you can't give a donation receipt to it. It's just too big. So Nabi Sallallahu said, that's it. That is the sadaqah which was so amazing that it went and hit the arsh of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala allow you and I to become such donors every night. Such mutasaddiqeen every such night that we give this sadaqah every night. Say inshaAllah. That every night we say and every day we say, Ya Allah, I just want your forgiveness. Khalas. I am not going to hold anyone accountable. Whoever backbites me. Whoever backbites about me, whoever lies about me, whoever scan, whoever you know, whoever uh, carries tales about me, whoever slanders me, I have already forgiven them for the sake, for your sake, already from now, done. Already from now, and so that action of ours, which I know some of us are carrying grudges from 15, 20 years, and you are really angry about someone doing something wrong to you, has it helped you? Has it made your life any better? Are you able to sleep a nice, better, deep sleep because of the fact that you're, you think about what your ex has done to you or your ex-Solan has done, ex-business partner has done to you? No, of course not. You're carrying those, those, those burdens in you, but your life has not become easier. Your life hasn't become smoother. Just thinking about that does not make your life any better. And forget it. Why you say on the Day of Judgment, leave it by. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'll see you in court, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Is our Isha that we just prayed, Wallahi, the Isha that I just prayed, even, is that even worthy of acceptance? Do we even know what the Imam recited? How much were we concentrating in those sunnas? What did we recite in the sunnah, in the witr? Our salah is of just nothing, no quality. So we, have, we really don't have a right to say, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to take you to court. Because guess what? Allah, is, if He's ready to take us to court, we're not going to even be able to see anyone else. Allah is going to see you first. Then you go see everyone else. We're done. If Allah chooses to see us in court, game over, bhai. We're not going to have a chance to talk to anyone else. 
So the better way, the best way is, Ya Allah, I got nothing to show you, but what I'll, I will show you is I forgive everyone. And so let that be a means of you forgiving me. So how nice it would be in this blessed month of Sha'ban, before the arrival of Ramadan, every one of us forgives all those who have wronged us. And you might not right now be able to think about everyone who's wronged you, but you just make this niyyah and you announce it to Allah. Declaration to Allah. Ya Allah, I have, today I make you a witness that anyone who has who's done anything wrong to me, I shall not hold him accountable on the day of judgment. So I am saying this right now in front of all of you. I make a witness. And you all make each other a witness and say this, that Ya Allah, in this majlis, in this gathering, I've forgiven anyone and everyone who has harmed me in any way and I will not hold them accountable on the day of judgment and I beg you, Ya Allah, that you also not hold me accountable in lieu. I am a chota mota admi. I'm a small guy. I deal with pennies. You deal in, not trillions, you deal in everything. I'm a small guy, this is what I do. This is my generosity. I say, okay, I won't hold you accountable. Now, Ya Allah, you are the Rabbul Alameen, the King of all kings, the Lord of the worlds. If a man like me, who is so poor, who's got nothing. If I am being generous by forgiving people, what about you? Where's your generosity compared to my generosity? If I can do this small donation, then Ya Allah, you can definitely write it all off. That's what we have to do. Tiga, you made this niya now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make this niya right now. If it's in your heart, make it. And I ask Allah, those who are having a hard time to say this, may Allah facilitate it for you. And may Allah allow you to say these words, not only from your tongue, but from your heart. And truly, yani, give up. This would be a Eid ho jayegi You know, this is our Eid day today. If we are able to walk away from this gathering in this state. And oh Musa, uh, oh Nuh say, my Lord, make me land, make me land a blessed landing. And you are the best of those who bring someone to land. What does this mean here? You, there was a dua to recite when you boarded the ship. And now, a dua for deboarding, disembarking the ship. That, Ya Allah, I'm starting a new life. The whole world is under a flood, and there's 80 people coming off the boat. This is now the next phase of not just us 80 people, but of the whole dunya. So allow us to get off this boat in a place that, and that is blessed. This is like how Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is mentioned. It's mentioned in the Quran, Surah Al-Isra. And he mentioned this when he was entering the Kaaba, Mecca. Oh Allah, allow me to enter a truthful entering, a proper entering, and allow me to leave a proper entering, uh, exiting. So when we when we when we enter a village, we're supposed to make dua. Let's see the dua. When we enter a new town, you know the dua we're supposed to recite. Allahumma yasaluka qarya. Oh Allah, I ask you the good of this town. I don't know this. I know the restaurant, I know the hotel, the conference where I'm attending, the vacation place I'm going. But I don't know what's all the hidden goodies in this town. I ask you for the goodness of this town. Allahumma yasaluka khayra hadhi qarya wa khayra ma fiha. And the goodness of whatever's in this town. I seek refuge in you from the evil of this place and the evil of what resides in this place. Then, Allahumma rzuqna janaha. Oh Allah, bless me with the fruits of this village. Whatever good products come out of this village, town, dini products, dunyawi products, whatever it is, allow me to benefit from those good fruits. Make us beloved to the people of this town. Let the people of this town like us. 
and make the pious people of this town beloved to us. We don't want to love the people who are a fisk and fujur and follow their path. We want to love the pious and the righteous ones of this village. So make us beloved to the people of this town and make the pious people of this town beloved to us. My dear brothers, how many of us have thought about this type of dua when entering a town? You, we go to new cities, new towns for work, for vacation, for visiting relatives, every week, every month. Just, just goes back to what I'm telling you, how comprehensive and beautiful the duas of the Prophet ﷺ are. We cannot match that. I was just hearing on our journey to South Africa, one of the teachers was mentioning, that you know that the, the, the dua... <laughs> The, your personal du'as that you make in your own language can never match the depth of the du'as of Rasulullah You just can't, because you're not a prophet. You don't receive revelation. Neither do I. The Prophet's du'as are divinely inspired. That's why do not forget to make the du'as that the Prophet did from the Quran and the Sunnah. And hence you have Al-Hizbul A'zam type of books. Munajat Maqbul Al-Hizbul A'zam which are available in our bookstore. These books are great because they have a list of all the du'as and now you get the translation in English or you get the translation in Urdu and if you can read Arabic and understand it, then read in Arabic. Otherwise, read in English or Urdu or any other language that is translated in. So you make your own du'a in your own language but then daily have a word or a time where you read through one section and one chapter of this book. And again, this is something I, I encourage myself and all to start in the blessed month of Sha'ban so that when Ramadan comes around, we are ready to benefit from, from these type of books. So mashallah, Al-Hizb Al-Azam for example has 200 hadith of Rasul Sallam, 200 du'as. So by the time you finish this book, every week you've gone through the crux of Rasulullah's du'as. Isn't that amazing? Alright, so you, can, you can't match the Rasulullah's du'as. We just don't have the ability to do that. So what is Barakah now? Right, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi this du'a is saying, Ya Allah, allow me to have a blessed land, land, landing. What is a blessed landing? It's when you are given more than you can imagine, a life that is greater than what you can imagine. Say, a person, he lives with a small, meager salary, but he is able to raise his kids with the very best upbringing, and gives them the very best education. And people say, where did you get all of this money from? And this is what we'll say, it's barakah that made the small into a large amount. The, what's coming is small, but the output is great. What's coming is small, but the output is great. Some have given us a, you know, another beautiful example of this. Is that barakah here risk salb. Barakah is sustenance of salb. Salb means taking away. What do you mean sustenance of taking away? Meaning, it's a type of sustenance in which you're in, when you're, your salary doesn't increase, but your expenses decrease. So what is barakah? It is actually a type of sustenance in which you're, because whenever we talk about risk, we think ziyada pese, more money. That's not barakah. Barakah does not mean a bigger income. It means less expenses. So you go and you have a stomachache. For example, two people have a stomachache. One person who's got barakah, he goes and he says, man, I got a horrible stomach. He goes to the doctor. The doctor says, but it's nothing, don't worry. I looked at your circumstances, nothing. Don't worry, just go have some honey water. Read this dua. Maximum, you know, have some Gatorade and you're done. He says, okay. The other guy goes, he goes to a different type of doctor. He says, oh man, this is a very big situation. You need to get admitted to the hospital. 
Three days later, he's sitting with a $25,000 bill and he's going home drinking Gatorade. What about we? Nothing. What happened? One guy walking away with a $25,000 bill and the other one, mashallah, he's, he, three days later, though he, he forgot he even had some pain. That's the absence of barakah. That he walked away with a huge bill. Right? And the other one, calm ho His needs were fulfilled without much expense. Right? Barakah is your car breaks down. And, you, and you're like wondering what's happening. Someone comes, he's a masjid, he's a mechanic. He's like, bye, what's the issue? It's not starting up. I need to get tow truck and take it there to the dealership and probably pay $250 for assessment, another $400 to, to do this. And he says, Louis, hold on, look at it. Oh man, this, I got tools in my car, you know, 20 minutes. There's left 20 minutes for Aisha, let me fix your car. Done. Mashallah for free. Your car is working. The other guy, he got it towed, paid $150 for towing because his AAA got expired. And then we went there, they, they, of course, you know how they do. And so by the time you walk in away, you got you know, unnecessary new this and unnecessary new that, and you walk in with a $1,500 bill. Absence of barakah. There you go. So, it's this beautiful, this concept. It's called risk salb It's a sustenance of taking away, meaning reduction in expenses. So when you have barakah in your life, then every single thing you'll see, that even the small will give you a lot in output. So we should not be asking for a lot of income, a lot of money. Instead, we should say we should be asking for barakah in our sustenance. What's the point of making four hundred thousand when you have five hundred thousand expense? Then you're a hundred thousand net loss, and that's the world we live in right now. The income is huge, but the expense is even is greater. And so, at net, you're at loss. You'd rather have smaller income, but even a much smaller expense and output. Alhamdulillah, then you have savings to do other things. You are the best of those who bring someone to land. This is, the, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows us to be part of, uh, to, be, uh, to, have this, uh, to be part of this attribution. What do I mean by this? Khairul Munzilin, Ahsanul Khaliqeen, Khairul Makirin. All of these words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am the best of those who plan, I am the best of the creators. I'm the best of those who bring someone to land. So he is allowing this attribute of hosting someone, creating something, warithin, khairul warithin, inheriting something, khaliqin, um, creating something. He's allowing us to share that attribute with him, to be called a munzil, a khaliq, uh, a warith, etc. He's simply saying, I want you to recognize that I'm the best. Subhanallah. This is Allah Jalla Jalal who's forbearance, hilm, love for us, that He allows us to, in, to have this attribution as well. Um, when in reality, we're not a creator. We take, we take sand and make it into a uh, pot, clay pot. But we didn't make a clay pot out of uh, thin air. We made it with uh, some raw material. But still, we've been called khaliqin. One of, Allah is the best of creators. We do a cheap type of creation, but He's one of them. Khairul Munzirin, you hosting someone out of generosity, guess what? You can join yourself from being a ho- calling yourself a host, but the best host is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna fi al-ayat, surely there are signs in it. Meaning in these stories that we've just covered, the story of Nuh salam, and the stories of the other prophets that are yet to come as well, there are amazing signs for a person to to take heed from. وَإِن كُنَّا لَمُبْتَلِينَ لَمُبْتَلِينَ And we do always test the people. 
The ulama explained this ayah here, what inkudna al-mutaleen means, that we will always be testing the people of iman. Even the people who do not deserve adab will get tested. The people of Turkey and the people of Syria, the people of Iraq and the people of Afghanistan, and all those other countries as well. They're being tested, being bombarded with tests. It's not because they are sinful people. It's not because they are disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's because... It is because the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to increase them in their honor. There is a saying, a hadith Qudsi is mentioned by Imam Sha'rawi, where Allah Azza wa says, وَعِزَّتِي وَجَلَالِي I take an oath on my grandeur and my, and, and my might. لَا أُخْرِجُ عَبْدِي مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَقَدْ أَرَدْتُ بِهِ الْخَيْرَ حَتَّى أُوْفِيهِ مَا عَمِلَهُ مِنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ If there is any servant who I wish to be kind to him, then I ensure that I do not allow him to leave this world except in a state that he has been punished for all the sins he has done in this very world. Min maradin fi jismi, whether it is sickness in his body, khasaratun fi mali, whether it's loss in his wealth, faqdun fi waladi, whether it's loss of his children. Somehow or another, I will hit him through various and test him through various ways to such a degree that all his sins will be wiped clean. If there are still some sins remaining in his book of deeds, I will make the pangs of death and the throes of death, death difficult upon him. Until he will come to me the day he passes away as pure, clean, and sinless as the day his mother gave birth to him. وَعِزَّتِي وَجَلَالِي And I take an oath by my honor, my greatness that لَا أُخْرِجُ عَبْدِي مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَقَدْ أَرَدْتُ بِي شَرِّ I do not allow a person to leave this world if I am intending evil for him and jahannam for him حَتَّى أُوْفِيهِ مَا عَمِلُوا مِنَ الْحَسَنَاتِ Until I pay him in full and reward him in full for any and all good deeds that he has done صِحَّةً فِي جِسْمِي In the form of a good health, healthy body وَبَرَكَةً فِي مَالِي In terms of having blessing in his wealth وَوَلَدِي Blessing in his children فَإِذَا بَقِيَتْ لَهُ حَسَنًا And if there are some, some good deeds of his that did not get paid off then خَفَفْتُ عَلَيْهِ سَكَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ I will make the pangs and the throes of death easy for him حَتَّى يَأْتِينِي Until the night, the day he comes to me after death Laysat lahu hasana. He doesn't have a single good deed in his book. Everything has been settled. The debts have all been settled. So this is scary. Because if we are seeing that we have no problems and everything is going super fine, it doesn't necessarily mean everything is actually going good in our relationship with Allah. What if, what if, what if, la qaddar Allah, thumma la qaddar Allah, that Allah is actually paying us for all the good, that any little good that we're doing. And this is the fear again that Umar radiallahu anhu had when he entered the Masjid al-Nabawi and he saw that the, the, the money that had been brought in from Bahrain, gold, silver, rubies, gems, all of these things had filled the space up in the Masjid until it was touching the roof. And when he looked at it, everyone is happy. They came for Fajr. Imagine, people are dying of starvation. They're going through a lot of difficulty. But they come to the Masjid and they see so much money and like alhamdulillah and umar radiallahu anhu is not saying alhamdulillah he's crying he's worried and if i remember correctly one of the other companions 
possibly, or, or someone, now the other companion said, what is it? Why are you so sad? This should be a day that you should be happy. And he said, no. No, I'm not going to fall for this. If this was good, how is it that the one who is better than me, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu passed away and this was not given to him. And if this was good, how can it be the one who is better than Abu Bakr, the best of all, Rasulullah passed away and he didn't see this. How can I sit back and relax thinking that this money is a blessing for me when the two elders prior to me, the Prophet and Abu Bakr Siddiq never got a chance to see this wealth. I'm afraid of the verse of Surah Ahqaf wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the day of judgment to people who enjoyed a comfortable life in this dunya. That you enjoyed and uh, you enjoyed all the goodness in this world and you lived a life of luxury and you've got nothing to be looking forward to in the akhirah because you got paid for everything in the dunya. Although this ayah is revealing, being revealed about disbelievers who had a comfortable life. But Umar radiallahu anhu out of his immense fear of Allah was thinking that this may even apply to him. So what I'm trying to say is that when we have a very comfortable life and everything is going fine, we should seriously not automatically start thinking that this is a sign that we're headed to Jannat al-Firdaus. That oh, we have it good here, we're definitely going to have it good over there. Instead, we should be Sweating with shukr. Thanking Allah Azza wa Jal. And say, Ya Allah, I hope this is not istidraj. I hope this is not a means of entrapping me, putting me into a fitna, which is scary because money becomes a source of huge fitna. Allah says, Then we raise another generation after them. The Nuh's generation ended, and the next, another generation came about. Inshallah, we will. End on this note and continue from here next week. Uh, uh, you know, I, I realize that people, subhanAllah, have been so patiently sitting through the durus, and because of the level of etiquette and concentration and devotion that the brothers and sisters show in the dars, I end up, you know, going overboard with my time and sometimes ending the dars much later than I should be. So I apologize for that. And um, I appreciate the fact that, mashallah, you all sit always so patiently. But I'm going to try my best to try to end closer to this time instead of being closer to, you know, 10-ish or 9.45, etc., inshallah. Uh, so if anyone has any questions, uh, you can just go on Saito.com and today's code is 4269800, 4269800, or you can use the QR code uh, to ask any questions, inshallah. Um, hopefully this will be of benefit. And if you did not get tonight's weekly text reminder for the tafsir, please quickly scan this to receive the message. Uh, from next week onwards, sign up for the weekly tafsir reminders by um, uh, by scanning this code. Zakallah khair. Okay, so mashallah. Um, are the earthquakes a sign of Allah's punishment? Not necessarily, right? That's what we're talking talking about the whole time here. Is that it depends on, on it depends on who it's coming. So the same earthquake could be a punishment for one and a door to Jannah for the other. 
person is drinking his liquor and wine as a dis- and making fun of Allah Azza wa and an earthquake comes, of course that was his adab. Uh, the other person, he died in the state of sujood, that was his ticket to Jannah. Someone was serving his mother and he passed away in an earthquake, that's ticket to Jannah. Someone taking his son to the madrasa, drop him off, died, the son memorizing Quran. I mean, I'm sure, 100% kids died, 50,000 who passed away. Yaqeenan, so many of them were praying salah. Most definitely many of them were fasting. Many of them were reciting Quran. Many of them were doing dhikr. Many of them were serving their moms and dads. Many of them were serving their children. So it just really depends on the situation of that individual. It does not mean that uh, everyone is going to be uh, in the same situation as it comes in hadith people will be raised upon what they passed away when the adab comes or rather when the fitna comes or when the musibah comes it knocks out everyone but, uh, but people will be raised based on their status um, what are the reasons scholars leave Islam what are, and Hufal? <sighs> this is a very good question for one thing is there's uh, arrogance, you know, humility, and, uh, and, uh, and a, a, a following the desires, just not wanting to humble themselves and listen to their elders and say, I know better. And they become a slave to their intellect or a slave to their desires. And that really messes with them because faith requires humility. And no matter who you are, if you're not humble, this Iblis is more knowledgeable than any alim in the world and any hafiz in the world. But he didn't have that humility, he was arrogant, and he went down. So anyone who follows that path also will suffer. Um, additionally, of course, not staying, not having good suhbah and companionship. You know, just memorizing Quran or becoming a scholar is not sufficient. You have to be surrounded by righteous company. Um, and then number three, excessive sins. When a person keeps on committing sins, the heart keeps on getting darkened and darkened and darkened until iman also leaves the heart. What if we say we forgive someone but we still have very strong feelings of anger? When you think about that person, it's hard to mentally not be angry. That's fine. You have forgiven them. You say you're not going to hold them accountable on the day of judgment. And that natural anger, that's going to be there. That's okay. Um, what is the dua book called for the Prophet Wasallam? I mean, the, the dua books that I refer to, one was Munajat uh, Maqbul, Accepted Whispers. Accepted whispers, and the other one was Al Hizb Al Adam Al Word Al Afkham, the what's it called? The um, uh, the, uh, the Great Litany, I think so. But Al Hizb Al Adam is, is what uh, the book is called. You can get that here from the bookstore. Um, a student loan should be avoided, definitely. Uh, and we have to come up with different ways of how we can pay our tuition, and we have to. Uh, if a person says, I'm not going to go down this route, I don't care, I will not indulge in haram. And if that's how sincere you are and firm you are and, re- and have that resolve, Allah Azza wa will not only give you the himma and the strength, but Allah will also provide for you solutions from places you cannot imagine. So, uh, signs you've been forgiven sin, you're committing to have stop. I mean, uh, what is a sign that a person has been forgiven? And the sign is, inshallah, that his life has changed. And you're not going back to those old ways. Um, how can you forget or delete bad memories? So this is what I'm saying. You may not be able to delete bad memories. And of course, therapy helps. Meeting a therapist may help. Meeting a scholar may help to specifically address the issue. 
But you have to also remember that, guess what, Ya Allah, I've done so many sins myself. Just like I cannot delete the memories of someone oppressing me, I also cannot delete the memories of my own sins. So how about tit for tat? I give up those memories for the memories of my own sins. So you might not be able to get over the anger and whatnot, but at least get over the aspect of holding them accountable on the Day of Judgment. And this is definitely not easy. That's why Allah says, Repel evil with kindness, repel evil with goodness, and, and whoever does that, إِنَّهُ لَذُوْ حَظٍ عَظِيمٍ That person who's capable of doing it is someone who is very lucky. It's not easy. وَلَا يُلَقَّاهَا إِلَّا الَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا Only the super patient people will be able to do this. وَلَا يُلَقَّاهَا إِلَّا ذُوْ حَظٍ عَظِيمٍ And only people who have a great blessing, who have a great share in the blessings will be able to do this. Not, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea. Okay. Uh, is there a dua to protect our kids from leaving Islam? One dua is Rabbana la tuzikulubana In the first ruku' of Surah Al Imran. Oh Allah, do not allow our hearts to go crooked after, uh, crooked after you've given us guidance and protect, grant us rahmah from your end. Indeed, you are the best of those who give gifts. And then, of course, Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata ayun wa jalna muttaqina imama. The final verses of Surah Al-Furqan in the 19th Jews, 19th Jews, first quarter. Oh Allah, grant us the coolness of eyes in, in our spouses and our children and make us the leaders of those who are muttaqin, meaning make, make every family, member of my family muttaqin, make me a leader of them. If someone's looking for a spouse that studied here, what, uh, etc., who can you assist? Yeah, you send an email to the office. Um, if, if my relatives are talking about me, how can I deal with it? How can I deal with it without cutting relationships with them? Uh, you know, you you haven't. If you know about it, you should bring it up, and you can send an email, or you can openly say, "I do not appreciate the backbiting and the false accusations." If you have any issue, kindly please speak to me directly. If you don't want to speak to me directly, I'd rather you not speak about it because this is sinful, and I've done my job of explaining my stance. If you continue to do so, then this is. The most haram, ajib. You know, we talk about eating zabiha, importance of eating halal, hand, hand slaughtered halal, organically fed chicken and organically fed lamb and goats and whatnot. This is super important. And not eating that is haram. But what could be more haram than eating the dead flesh of your brother? And that's what ghiba has been called by Allah in Surah Hujrat. That when a person backbites his Muslim brother, or sister, or whoever, then he's as though he's Would any of you like to eat from the dead flesh of his brother? Would you not be disgusted from that? Hence, similarly, you should be disgusted from backbiting. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to repent from this horrible, horrible sin of backbiting. And make our tongues just stop right then and there, every time we intend to backbite. I mean. If you thought something was haram and you researched it and you think it's not haram, does that mean we've been inflicted by fitna? No. If a person had no idea about deen, he was, didn't go to madrasa, didn't study by a scholar, and he's just like, oh, this is probably haram. Then he went and sat and sat with the, at the feet of the scholars and studied fiqh and studied hadith, and the teachers taught him, and the books he learned from says that this is actually permissible. Then that's good because he was ignorant, now he has knowledge. What Hudayfa radiallahu anhu is saying is that nothing has changed in your knowledge. 
Nothing has changed in, 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 in the access you have to Quran and Hadith. It's simply now that you have decided to change the deen based on your whims and desires. That's what he's saying. It's, and so it's, it's not that you know, some, some, some new things come about. It's the same old stuff. But you have unfortunately been afflicted by the desires and have now said, I think this, is, this should be made halal. I lose hope in the world and I'm trying my best and doing everything I can. What are the hadith and surahs I can look into to find solace from them? Reciting and focusing on surah in shirah. Read the tafsir of this surah. Beautiful surah in the 30th juz. Uh, that is, gives us hope. We have actually a workshop, a seminar here. We did some years ago. Mulan Imran did, I think so. And that on. Uh, Oh, was it Surah Duha? So, uh, okay, Surah Duha, and uh, of course, Alam Nasha also should be studied, and removing in, in helping removing depression, and giving you a more positive outlook on life. Similarly, read through the description of Jannah mentioned in the books of Hadith. Read through the thirtieth juz describing Jannah. It's beautiful. We don't read these type of books, unfortunately, but read about Jannah and see how beautiful what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has kept for us. Uh, <clears throat> additionally, read um, the rewards that have been promised. There have been books written on the rewards promised for the people who are patient. And so all of these things, inshallah, will give us hope. And just simply recitation of Quran and doing dhikr of la hawla wa la illa billah, remaining in a state of wudu. These are all things that inshallah will help keep a person happy and at least allow them to control the stress that they're going through. Can we make, be distant from the people who have hurt us multiple times and you forgive them for only Allah's sake? Yes, if, you've hurt, if people have hurt you, you don't want to keep on coming in their way. You, you'd avoid, you, you don't, if they are in front of you, say salam to them. But that doesn't mean then you have to necessarily go to their house regularly. Uh, I may feel that there's no barakah in money, uh, I mean in time. Can this be? It's true. Barakah in time will come. How do you get barakah with wealth? Make sure you don't earn from haram and spend from haram, yeah? Number two, you just, some of, many of you said what? Sadaqah. Same thing with time. Time, don't spend your time in haram or in useless things. And give sadaqah of your time. So give sadaqah of your time to the masjid. Sadaqah of your time to someone to tea who, who is suffering, who needs some help in homework, who needs some help in learning Quran, who needs some help in, in shoveling their snow. That's sadaqah of your time. When you give time for Allah and to help the ummah and to help the deen, Allah will put barakah in the rest of your time. How do we address classmates and co-workers who do open sins as drinking, etc.? Classmates, I don't know if you mean Muslim classmates or non-Muslim classmates. Uh, you know, if they're non-Muslim classmates, I guess you're not asking about that. If you're talking about Muslim classmates, it's hard to, to speak to someone who's infected with all these things. You need to bring them into more common ground. Like, like bring them to the good environment. When you come into a good environment, good masjid, a good environment, uh, what happens automatically, they'll start recognizing some of their flaws 
and some of their erroneous way of approaching things. When they soften up and when they're wanting to learn, then inshallah you can teach them. From right off the bat, if a person hasn't prayed Jummah for seven weeks and you start combating them and debating them on LGBTQ, it's not gonna really work. You know, it's rather focus on like things that they can agree upon. Like, yeah, I know I should pray Jummah, I haven't prayed. Oh, how about we do that? How about we start praying Jummah? Let's go to a masjid where it has a nice khutbah, a nice talk, Let's, or go on time. Let's pray our sunnah together, listen to the nice talk, do some dhikr, and then come back. And then even if a person drinks or has LGBTQ opinions, that will come afterwards. We gotta focus on things that he agrees upon, get him punctual on that. Eventually, Insha'Allah, the barakah of attending the masjid, attending a dhikr, halaqat, will make him recognize or make her recognize that what they're doing is wrong. It is, wrong, is it wrong to only reach out to people when you need them? Then ghost them. I didn't know, I'm learning a new word. Ghost them, okay. So, uh, this is, of course, I need proper etiquette is you keep ta'aluk with everyone, keep relationship with everyone all the time. But unfortunately, it's not easy to do that. I appreciate and I value and I look up to those people who can do that. But most of us can't. So, you, you know, if, you, if you need someone, then at that time, go ahead and reach out to them. That doesn't mean, I mean, it's not, it's not the best situation, but don't, like, don't stop reaching out for help if you need help. I don't, is a hundred times reading ikhlas, is it beneficial finding a good spouse? I don't know. I've never heard of the specific virtue, but reading surah ikhlas is a powerful surah. And it's one of the beloved surahs uh, about speaking about the greatness of Allah. So, you know, you can't never, there's nothing wrong with reading a lot of uh, Quranic verses. One, one thing I've shared before, what I've heard is, Rabbi inni lima anzalta min khayrin faqir. Reading Rabbi inni lima anzalta min khayrin faqir, the dua of Musa alayhi salam when he was gifted with a job and a wife. In, in Surah Shu'ara. Right? Surah Shu'ara? Surah Qasas. Surah Al Qasas. Surah Al Qasas. Uh, all uh, right. That's, that ayah is helpful, inshallah, for finding a job or finding a spouse, reciting that multiple times, like seven times or odd number of times after every salah. Uh, barsi, for a deceased individual, is not something is sunnah. To be a specific date you choose and you do some gathering after 40 days or two months or one year or whatever that is, uh, is this is definitely not part of the deen. <laughs> Is it wrong to have expectations from your spouse? I thought that's what shows you care about the relationship, if you have expectations to do certain things. No, what we're trying to say is that you, you do everything for your spouse and you hope that they do it too as well. But when you build up this expectation, I'm gonna marry someone that's gonna do all these things, and then naturally they're not gonna do all those things. They're gonna do maybe nine out of 10. But since they don't do the one out of 10, you're angry. And so now you got nine out of 10, but you can't appreciate the nine out of 10 because you're focused on the one out of 10 that you didn't get. So that's a problem is your expectation. That when you say, if you say, SubhanAllah, whatever I get, I'm happy. Then they do nine out of 10. You're like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is, then you're so appreciative and so happy that that person says, let me, let me do one more, one out of 10 as well. And so make it 10 out of 10. So that's what we're speaking about here. It's not easy, but it's the idea is that give everything you got to people. And if they do something nice to you, Alhamdulillah. But if they don't, don't be angry because you say, my ajat, I'm being nice to you enough so that you can be nice to me. Imagine if every wife and husband were like this. I'm being nice to you for the sake of Allah. And if you're nice to me, mashallah. And if not, guess what? I'm going to get my ajr from Allah. So, it's okay. I'm going to just make sabr. How do you bring yourself back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you feel yourself drifting away because of the dunya? Mahol, environment, environment, environment. Get yourself, come do i'tikaf at the masjid. 
for one night. Go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a day. Attend durus, some halaqat for a day. Come sit in class. Come sit in here in the seminary for a day. Uh, audit a class for one day. That's it. A couple hours sitting in a good mahal, and you'll see it, it will affect, it will help you uh, feel much better. Allah knows best If anything beneficial was said from Allah Azza wa Jal, If any mistakes were made We seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that <clears throat> Inshallah we'll be having our 15 night of Shaban program Also um, What date is that? Huh? Monday, it'll be a Monday Inshallah March 6th Inshallah So uh, just look forward to that With the Bukhari Dars uh, night And uh, make knee of i'tikaf as well If you can For the last 10 days Everyone can start reaching out to their jobs, employees, employers, and see if you can take time off. Um, you have one month, or one and a half month rather, to, so if you want to make, if you have the niyyah, and if you didn't, now you should make the niyyah. Don't say, you say, I've never done that before, well this is your chance. Alhamdulillah, COVID is not, the COVID era is not the way it used to be. Allah's blessing, you and I are alive and healthy, we have the opportunity. Why wait until we don't have this opportunity, and then cry about it? So I encourage all of us here to make, try to make knee of doing atikaf, if not for the full 10 days, for 5 days, and reach out to your jobs and see if you can take some time off. And this will be, inshallah, very, very beneficial uh, for, uh, for our spirituality. Let's do some dhikr, inshallah. <clears throat> لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام وانك السلام وتبارك ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام اللهم انا نسالك العفو والعافيه والمعافاه الدائمه في الدين والدنيا والاخره اللهم انا نسالك تمام العافيه اللهم انا نسالك دوام العافيه اللهم انا نسالك الشكر على العافيه اللهم نسلك لسانا ذاكرا وقلبا خاشعا وعينا دامعا ونفسا مطمئنة بك وبلقائك اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قول والعمل والفعل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم أحسن عاقبتنا في الأمور كلها اللهم أحسن عاقبتنا في الأمور كلها وأجرنا من خزي الدنيا وأعذاب الآخرة اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امننا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم ارحم امه محمد اللهم تجاوز امه محمد اللهم اكرم امه محمد اللهم انصر امه محمد اللهم 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 الف بين قلوبنا واصلح ذات بيننا وانصرنا على من عادانا وعاد الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموتى المسلمين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم انا جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذك من شرورهم اللهم انا جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذك من شرورهم اللهم انا اراد بالاسلام 
الإسلام والمسلمين خيرا فوفقوا لكل خير ومن أراد بالإسلام والمسلمين شرا فجعل كيده في نحري فجعل كيده في نحري فجعل كيده في نحري اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين واحفظ الإسلام والمسلمين وانصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم رب الحمد كما ربيني صغيرا رب الحمد كما ربيني صغيرا رب الحمد كما ربيني صغيرا لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل الله يتوكل اللهم بارك لنا في شعبان وبلغنا رمضان اللهم بارك لنا في شعبان وبلغنا رمضان اللهم بارك لنا في شعبان وبلغنا رمضان سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين آمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته